Life is a journey, and the fourth section of the Psalms, known as the Numbers Psalms, show us the goodness and guidance of God along that journey. If we want to move forward, we must look up. Let's join Scott Pauley now as we open the Word of God and find direction for the road of life. I never cease to be amazed at how much Scripture mirrors life. As a matter of fact, as you look at the Word of God, it is a perfect reflection of the life we live, the world we live in, and the God who never changes. We've come in our study to Psalm 94. We don't know exactly who wrote it. It's believed that Psalm 94 was written at the time of the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. So every good thing, every sure thing has been removed. The enemy has invaded, and the child of God writes these words, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself, lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth, render a reward to the proud. In other words, it's it's another way of saying, Lord, won't you do something? Why is it that evil seems to be advancing and wicked people seem to be prospering? Bad things keep happening. Lord, where are you? When are you going to take care of this? And maybe that is the cry of your heart. You know, oftentimes we don't put into words what we think. We're afraid to say it out loud, but in our hearts we very often feel exactly like the psalmist did in Psalm 94. Lord, where are you? Lord, how long will this continue? When are you going to to take care of this wickedness and deal with the enemies of the Lord. Now, I said a moment ago that Scripture very oftentimes reflects the way we think and reflects the life we live. And one evidence of that is in Psalm 94 because there's an ebb and flow in Psalm 94. It follows this pattern. Beginning in verse 3 down through verse 11, the psalmist looks to the enemies. He looks to uh, the circumstances around him. He looks to the difficulty that they're in. And then in verse 12, there's a shift. And what does he do? He gets his eyes off of man and he gets his eyes on the Lord. By the way, that's a very good thing for all of us to do, get our eyes back on God. But then when you come to verse 20, guess what he does? He starts looking at the enemies again. He starts looking at the the people that are against him again. And when you come to verse number 22, he shifts his attention back to the Lord. Isn't this a picture of the great struggle we all have? The struggle we have between looking at people, looking at circumstances, looking at ourselves, looking at the world we live in, and constantly looking to the Lord. We'll come back to that thought, but let's walk through the psalm for just a moment. Beginning in verse 3, he looks to the people and he says, Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things and all the workers of iniquity boast themselves? They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, The Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Understand, ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, when will ye be wise? He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall not he know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity." And so he's looking at the enemy. He's, he's listening to the enemy. And by the way, that's a very dangerous thing to do. 
And he has to go back to the truth that he knows about God. And it is this, that God hears and God sees and God knows. And in the end, God always does right. So it leads him to shift his attention away from the people and back to the Lord. And in verse 12, there's an amazing shift in tone. In fact, the first word is the word blessed. He moves from uh, the cursed situation and the cursed people to the blessing of the Lord. He says, Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, Lord, I believe it's possible that even this difficulty we're in could be for our good, that even this chastening may produce more in us of your character, that we may be made partakers of of your holiness. Sounds a lot like the writer of Hebrews to me, uh, that God's children should not despise the chastening of the Lord nor faint when they're rebuked of Him. You see, God's going to deal with the wicked. Their judgment is coming. It's future tense. But right now, maybe you're being chastened. Maybe you're going through correction and difficulty and trial. See the Lord in this season of your life. He says in verse 14, For the Lord will not cast off His people, neither will He forsake His inheritance. But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. Who shall rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? And I love verse 17, Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. He said, I I couldn't speak, I couldn't sing, I'd have no shout, except the Lord had been my help. Aren't you glad the Lord's our help in the midst of our trouble? Verse 18, he says, When I said, My foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. Are you there? Do you feel like you're sliding? Do you feel like your foot is slipping? There's no sure ground to stand on. It's at that mercy, the Lord, at that moment, rather, that the Lord's mercy will hold you up. In a sense, we all are crippled people. We're crippled by our own sin nature. We're wounded souls. Uh, We all have a tendency to lean to our own understanding. But if you'll lean on the Lord, then you'll find that He will hold you up. He says in verse 19, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Would you pause and just think on the Lord today? Would you let the thought of God bring comfort to your heart? Uh, Maybe no one can speak a good word to you and none of the news is positive, but if you'll think on the Lord, you can find comfort for your soul. Then, in verse 20, he goes back to the enemy. We're always tempted, aren't we, to shift our attention off the Lord and back on the circumstances. He says, Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. Do you hear the despair again? But then in verse 22, But the Lord is my defense. Don't you love it? There's a conscious choice. There's a definite moment again and again that the psalmist comes to where he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not going to think about them. I'm going to think about him. I'm not going to concentrate on what is against me. I'm going to concentrate on who is for me. I'm not going to spend my day talking about all that is bad. I'm going to spend my day talking about the goodness of God. But the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. And he shall bring upon them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. In other words, he says, I believe in the end God is going to do right for me and God is going to do right by them. You see, one fact remains through all of time and it is this, that those who choose to do right oftentimes will have wrong done to them. But also it is true that those of us who choose to do right can trust that God will always do right in the end. 
The Lord's going to take care of you, and in the end, the Lord's going to judge the wicked men. Now, here's, here's the great lesson from Psalm 94, because there's a message not only in the content, but even in the layout. Do you believe God's a God of order, uh, that this progression of Scripture truth uh, has in itself a lesson for us? There's a, there's a message in the method, if you will. There's a shift back and forth. He looks to man, then he looks to God. He looks to man, and then he looks to God. This is the essence of faith. Well, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the word looking there is a word of choice. It literally means to take your eyes off of one thing and fix your attention on something else. It's like the Lord Jesus, when He fixed His attention, He set His face to go to Jerusalem. He made a conscious decision. And my friend, you must do the same thing today. You must choose against your feelings, against your thoughts, and against your circumstances to take your eyes off of everyone and everything else and fix them on Christ. Will you look on the Lord Jesus today? If you'll choose to do that, you'll find strength and victory in the midst of whatever you're dealing with. May the Lord help you today to look to Jesus. At every twist and turn in life, God's Word provides direction to make right decisions. We pray that God will continue to guide your life and that you will continue to follow Him. Visit scottpauley.org to download your copy of A Ready Reference of the Psalms, listen to full-length Bible messages, read helpful articles, and access many other resources. We look forward to studying the Bible with you on the next Enjoying the Journey.